This is the Machination Log for June 16th, 2016, recorded June 10th. Matt Smeda. David Paddock. Welcome to the Machination Log. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Matt, we're going to have a check-in podcast here, which is something that I only ever seem to do with you and maybe one other person, which I need to make a more regular thing with everybody because um, check-ins are good. It's good to have on the record accounts of the ways our lives are veering on and off track. And uh, I think that's just good to have that kind of thing in your life. That's sort of what the podcast is about in one of its many forms. A little bit of accountability for us. Exactly. So, Matt, in the realm of accountability, it's been, you said it was about six weeks since we last talked. I'll take your word for it on that. That sounds a little long, but uh, there's no point in arguing about that. What have you been up to? Um, well, since the last time we talked, since since we talked about advice, um, I took that test that I was getting ready for, and after that, I just kind of have been taking it easy. Well, I went back to my to my apartment, and found the power had been turned off, so I needed to uh, to correct that situation. But um, once I did that, I uh, I just got myself a big pile of books and went to the park a few times and you know just just been uh doing whatever i want i'm not really outputting a whole lot of stuff right now but that's not really what i'm going for right now i'm just kind of taking it easy bit of an inhale period right now a little bit yeah yeah i'm gonna need one of those relatively soon i've been doing way too much writing but uh now you um you found yourself in an awkward spot at work it sounded like yeah, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't feeling too good about work in general for a while there. Um to to get to the end of that though, that has since kind of changed. I'm feeling very good about work now. Um But it's important I, to kind of know how it was possible to go from one to the other. I mean, it wasn't a straight line. Yeah, that's correct. You know, one of the reasons I think I was feeling kind of poorly about work is because I I wasn't taking this inhale. Um, I wasn't taking enough time to just do what I wanted to do. You see, I was I was working um, on stuff that I didn't really care about so much, and that combined with the fact that after I was done with work each day, I needed to go study for a test which was related to my work life. It felt like I had no escape. Um, to continue the breathing analogy, I felt like I had no room, room to do that, to breathe. Is the test um, over at least? The test is over. I don't. I don't know whether I passed it or failed it. Um, it could go either way, and I'll find out in the middle of July. Right. Right Jesus. now we're talking. We're talking in early June, so it's like ten ten weeks after the fact. I'll find out. Um, but right now, I'm I'm not really thinking about it too much. Like whether I passed it or failed it is not too important. I guess that's as good a. Uh as good as you can feel about a test of that kind when you have to wait that long for it. I don't remember the last time I took a test that had that kind of grading on it. I can't even honestly remember. I'd have to get Alberto in here for that. (laughs) You had a couple of things you wanted to talk about today. Um, One of which was doubting yourself, kind of your, uh, the goals and processes that we're using one way or another. And we've sort of already touched on that in the preamble, but, uh, Right. How has that impacted your life? <laughs> so, so yeah, self-doubt. Um, so we try to do the best that we can 
when getting through life, right? And I'm talking like we, we're trying to, I don't know, the way I see it is we're trying to optimize for like happiness and satisfaction and these kinds of things. You got some ideals you're maybe working toward. Yeah, yeah, ideals you're working toward. And so, so I, can, I can talk about this in the, in the context of some like big life decisions that I've made over the last couple of years and then kind of get back over to now. So let's, let's go back a few years to where I was in graduate school. Very briefly, I was in this program. It was a master's program in physics, which with a specialty in entrepreneurship. And if that sounds kind of like bullshit, that's, well, that's because it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that after about a semester or even like a, a little prior to the conclusion of that semester. And after the semester was over, I decided to drop out because my argument was, well, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I shouldn't have to like pay somebody to teach me how to do it. I should just have this naturally. And that is one way yeah. to think about it. Certainly. I don't, I don't know from personal <laughs> experience whether or not that's the case, but, uh, I can totally yeah, see that. Yeah. And, and neither do I still, but that was my argument at the time. Uh, Part of it was I want to save money. And to the credit of whatever school it was that I was going to, maybe the program wasn't actually bullshit, but it didn't resonate with me. So Yeah, maybe I decided, you're bullshit, Matt. You ever think about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm bullshit, <laughs> but, but now you know my perspective on that. Anyway, so I decided, you know what? I'm going to teach myself this entrepreneur stuff. Like, it can't be that hard, right? I'm going to, no. like... Go make an app, be some hotshot millionaire, probably even billionaire, actually. Almost almost um, definitely. I mean, you got started definitely. so early. Right, You right, got a physics exactly. degree. And, and now that I'm saving, right. <laughs> and now that I'm saving $5,000, I'm not like going to a second semester of this program. Um, it's going to be great. So I started, I, I, I was having a great time. Like I made this program for myself. I had a, I had an agenda every day. Like I was learning how to code. I had a big ass pile of books I was reading. Uh, I was like going to the Toastmasters club, public speaking stuff. And I was having a great time. Um, and, and I had no self doubt. Like I was totally self-assured. Um, and I get like three months into this feeling good. And I decide to take a vacation. Um, I went to my family's house and I went to see some family in New Jersey. And I went to see some friends going to school in Pennsylvania. Um, so this was kind of a, both, this entire trip to both places was kind of a chink in my armor. So I was asked a question like, so how's it going, Matt? With the implication like, so how's that whole job thing going? How's that like yeah. career thing going? Which was non-existent at the time. Like entrepreneurs will talk about how they're taking this non-traditional path and oh, nobody gets me. Yeah. Um, so, so you have to be very self-assured and you know, what was I doing? Like what was my entrepreneurial pursuit that was bringing in cash? Insert cricket sounds here. Um, there was nothing. Yeah. So uh, that wasn't the point at the time. Like I wasn't trying to make the money then. No, of course not. You, you're trying to think long-term. That's kind of what makes entrepreneurship such a pain in the first place is that you're already having to be responsible to have that kind of delayed gratification. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tough thing to tackle. 
Right, exactly. So, so this was this was like the learning phase. I decided, like, oh, I just I I need to learn a bunch of stuff right now before I can like go make money. Whether or not that's the best way to pursue it, I don't know. It doesn't really matter anymore because, well, you, you know where I am now. I'm like I'm gainfully more, employed. Like, I'm gainfully employed in like the traditional kind of employment thing. Yeah. Um. So how did I get there? Well, coming back to this chink in my armor, like. I didn't really know how to how to address that question for my family, and also when so the second part of the trip was going to see my friends who were uh, getting who were in school to get a PhD, um, a path that I could have taken, but I decided not to take. And and when I hung out with them, it was another um, another weak spot in the armor. More self doubt started started creeping in there. I was like, man what was I thinking? Like I could have, I could have had this, I could have gone down this path. So I got back home and instead of like picking right back up with the schedule, like coding, reading, public speaking, um, I just stopped. Like I, my alarm clock went off one day and I didn't get out of bed for like three hours. Actually at that point I was trying to save money. So my bed was a cot. Not sure. Um, so I didn't get out of cop for like three hours. Um, and, and also I had this deal with myself. I had to like make a speech every week at the Toastmasters club, which was like way accelerated. People, people didn't do this in Toastmasters, like do a speech every single week, but I was doing it, but not this week. I decided like, Oh, that, that was a stupid goal. I should never even set that for myself in the first place. So bottom line is I totally like, 180 degrees from this self-assured, like, I know what I'm doing thing, all the way to the other side. Like, I, I'm totally, like, questioning everything. What is it that I'm doing? And that was a very bad feeling that persisted for quite a while at that point. And it's all on you. This is, again, it's the entrepreneur virtually forces you to be, if you're not just an insane extrovert and pulling other people into the project. I mean, it sounds like, for the most part, you were a lone wolf here. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in that one semester of the program I did at school, um, that wasn't the case. But I decided to leave and become, as you say, that lone wolf, like just trying to figure it out for myself. Yeah, I mean, it would be insanely hard to speculate on it. But do you think it would have been possible to bring someone else in on that vision? Um, it, I probably should have, and I probably... I probably would have benefited from talking with other people that had a, had similar kinds of goals, but um, I, I decided that just kind of reading about it and working on forums was enough. Well, yeah, and um, that early on, you don't feel like you need to start building a team just immediately. Right, exactly. Exactly. I, ha I had different priorities. Like, I needed to get good at, at like public speaking. I needed to get good at coding. Um so, so these things were, were taking priority at that point. Okay. So that takes us to what sounds like the end of your entrepreneurial spirit, at least for that, uh, that time. Yeah. 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 So, so I later, so let's go back to that day. I, I stayed in my cot for like three extra hours after the alarm went off. Well, uh, I think, I think either that night or another night that week, I just like walked out of my apartment at like 1 AM started walking around um, very dejected and very slowly thinking like, what the fuck am I doing right now? 
And that's, that's where that whole entrepreneurial kick ended and I started looking for something else. Um, something where it was easier to not be full of doubt for myself. And that's when I started taking those actuarial exams. And now here you are, a fully fledged, not quite, can't call you an actuary. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it feels, it feels good to, uh, to be able to answer that question more easily. Hey Matt, how's it going? Oh yeah, no, I, <laughs> I can imagine the security that, uh, it helped a lot. Yep. I mean, I was I was unemployed for a relatively brief stint after college, not because I was an entrepreneur, but because I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. Sure. I had already switched degrees away from a hard science to a soft science, going from physics to psychology. I completed the GRE. I got a nearly perfect score on the GRE, which just made things worse because my grades weren't good enough. <laughs> to justify how good my GRE score was and the prospect of having to convince a school worth going to that I was worth having with that disjunct was, that was horrible. Um, you gotta stop, you gotta stop screwing yourself over by <laughs> scoring too well. On tests. Well, it's, it's, it's a brutal, ironic thing that you can, you can so completely destroy your ambition by being good at something too early. I mean, that, that absolutely happens. It happens to me all over the damn place. It's one of the things about being, you know, I'm, I tend to be semi-competent in whatever I put my mind to, but that opens the door to a lot of things. And the second you start actually investigating that stuff, even a little bit more, talent stops mattering quite rapidly, and that's massively discouraging. You can't just hit the ground running. Like, I couldn't, you know, to use your entrepreneurial example, like, I could probably get a business going but make it profitable i have absolutely mm -hmm. no idea if i could do that and it would require an effort that i up to that point in my life i was very bad at applying because school never taught me how to work i mean it just never mattered in uh, any of the stuff i did i was i was a good enough student to survive the school process and seem like i was flying through it with no effort because for the most part i wasn't putting any effort into it and uh, it required <laughs> it required an obnoxious beatdown to get to a point where I could actually work, like effectively. Oh. Do you have a time in your life where you you finally had to put your foot down and uh, start working in order to make it? Do you know when that was? Um, start working in order to make it. Well, th there were a couple transition times in my life. Like I, I was. I was a smart enough kid in high school, but I didn't really apply myself because I didn't really see it as so important. But for whatever reason, when I when I started uh, in college, I was like, "All right, now it's like now I've got a fresh slate, and I'm gonna try and get really good grades." So I I, de I decided to do that um, when I got to college. But I suppose I didn't have to do it. Like I would have been, I probably would have been okay even if I didn't get great grades. Well, but you, you at least did. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, yeah. the kicker in my case is I didn't, I, d I don't feel like I really started working until I was out of college completely. I see. And it makes me wonder if I could go back to college and kick ass at it or not, but I don't know that it's worth the risk at this point to, uh, reindoctrinate myself. I don't think it is, but, uh, that's, that's a discussion for another time. Wait, I, I just have to ask, are you talking hypothetically about like going back in time or are you talking Oh, no, no, about, no. If I wanted to go back uh, to school now. 
Um, no, I mean, know. sure. If I if if twenty six year old me went back to elementary school, I'd kick ass. Like I, I know, <laughs> I'd be I'd do pretty well. But it's, it's I have to worry about now. That's I I understand. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I was just curious if you had one of those epiphany moments because. Uh, it took me a while well, to hit mine. I, I suppose I suppose that more important than having the fresh slate in college, um, once once I decided to ditch that entrepreneurial ambition, I had to figure out something else to do. So I and also like there was no longer the uh, the track that I was on. I was kind of I had reached the end of the rails, and it was more of an open ended question about where I was going to go next. So in that sense, um, after college was more important, or even after I dropped out and also like gave up on that on that so-called ambition to to be one of these hotshot entrepreneurs. So that's that's when I decided to take those actuarial exams, and the whole promise there was like, well, if you can do like if you can do well on if you can pass two of these exams, and then don't be like a total idiot when it comes to interviewing, then you can probably get a job in this field. Um, and then you, you so, get the so one safety net question answered and you can potentially move on from there at least. Right. But is that where you're at now? Do you feel like that's still working? Um, what being, being in the field that I'm in now? Does, does this path seem like it permits you to start moving again toward the ideal kind of self you want to be? Um, in in certain senses, yes. Um, in other senses, no. So so that's why I wanted to talk about self doubt today, I suppose. And so we've talked a bit about the backstory and like just an example from my past about where this kind of doubt sort of crept into my life. Um, but you're asking now is is my current path one that lets me like like self-actualize and get toward where I want to be. I guess it just, is, it, it's is, a question of whether or not the self-doubt, I'm trying to direct what you could have those doubts about, I suppose. Right, right. So, so one of the things I doubt now is, should I, should I be working in this field or should I like take a little bit of a risk now that I'm in a better position financially, I could like take a couple months off and go try and figure something else out because right now the job that I'm in is not very interesting. It's pretty boring. But on the other hand, isn't all work pretty uninteresting and boring? Um, and isn't it, isn't it like a given that whatever kind of gainful employment that I'm going to have, that's relatively safe. Like that's one of the boundary conditions that I'm giving myself here um, is going to be like sort of a soul suck. <laughs> um, so, so yes or no, do I stay or go? And that's, that's why I was wondering, like, in fact, that's why I was thinking about leaving the job to go and to go and try and find myself or whatever, whatever bullshit they call it. Hmm. And you don't have an answer yet. Doesn't say. I don't like, have an answer yeah. yet. So, so I'm not. I'm not quitting the job right now. Like I'm. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it another year at least to to continue because. But what's the alternative? Do I look around? Do I like try and do the similar kind of thing that I did after dropping out? 
um, do I go like try and find a job that has more like-minded people? I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Man. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a horrible question to have to answer. I'm glad I don't feel like I'm quite at that point at work, but I can, I can absolutely, there are days when it feels like that's a question that I have to answer and I've just been able to delay it for now. <laughs> it's although, I mean, I guess for what it's worth, aside from the podcast, I haven't been making things very much. I I've see. been. I've been sort of off that wagon for a little while for a number of reasons, but it's always for a number of reasons. So that's a bad excuse. It's there's always going to be a bunch of reasons why you can't do what you're supposed to be doing. So at some point, if you can't get those out of your head, then you're trapped. So, and I haven't been able to do that recently, which uh, I guess is why I need more check-in podcasts like this one. <laughs> uh, the next thing you've got on here is confirmation bias. Yeah, confirmation bias. So, <laughs> the internet is a great thing, isn't it? I tend to agree. I also tend to disagree. One, it's kind of a love-hate thing. One of one of the things that I love about the internet is it allows me to surround myself with, only with the kinds of people that agree with what I think and what I say. So anything that contradicts my worldview, I'll just click it off my screen. I don't need to look at that crap. Yeah, basically. It's pretty good for that. <laughs> so in other words, I don't get challenged. My beliefs don't get challenged. I get them locked in, and I'm like this, already this crotchety old man who's who's basically, who doesn't need to change his worldview. And couldn't that be a dangerous thing? I mean, one would assume so. I've, uh, I've certainly, and I think we've talked about ways to keep that from happening on the podcast before, but there is, I personally, I feel pretty sensitive to being in an echo chamber that way because I spend so much mm -hmm. of my own time, I spend so much of my time alone in my own head that if I were to just agree with myself, I'd go insane. Um, so I've become, <laughs> I've become pretty good at being self-critical and reneging on positions that I hold in particular. I, I pride myself in something I can't prove to other people, which is that I am, I am willing to uh, swap my position on virtually anything as it makes sense to do so, which everybody claims they can do. So I, it's entirely possible I'm lying to myself on that front. But I also feel like I, I don't. I've come to a weird. I, I mean, I know you were you were talking slightly sarcastically, like. You were, you were making it slightly yeah. a joke. I assume you're sensitive to the fact that you are sort of shutting down these other avenues, but it, yeah, yeah, it, it actually has come full circle on me where I, I actually get worried when I see things that I acutely align with online because it makes me suspicious that I have a lockdown opinion on them. <laughs> okay. So, but that's, that's just a twisted way to work it out. And I don't know that that's necessarily any better it simply makes more of the internet available, which maybe that's not a good thing either. I don't know. I don't know. Have you, uh, do you have anything in particular that has triggered that? I mean, it, being on the internet, I assume there are dozens of examples of this all the time, regardless of where you go. And I don't, I don't oh. think anybody we're talking to is going to have trouble coming up with an example of it in their lives, so... Sure, sure. One of the things I think about a lot right now is 
the most effective way of spending my resources, my time, and more importantly, my money. So, so I read like personal finance blogs, financial independence blogs, and one one of the things that I think is that like there's only one way that's acceptable, or one well one way of thinking that's acceptable for like how to spend my money and that's like in pursuit of this financial independence thing and anyone that drives an audi is an idiot like my friend that was trying to get me to buy an audi no well, what, are you, <laughs> what are you trying to do to me man you're trying to totally screw me over um so i i, I can't I, I tend to dissociate myself from people like that um but but is this right is it right that i do and maybe the audi is like pretty nice um, I, I would assume so. It costs enough, you would think. You'd hope. You'd hope it'd be a nice car. But, I mean, have you yeah. ever not been a frugal individual? Do you just lean that way? Um, I've, yeah. So, for example, like, I, uh, it took me a really long time to get a smartphone because I, did, I didn't really see, I didn't really see the benefit for quite a long time. And I got my first smartphone, like, a little bit over a year ago something like that. So, so I've always had these frugal tendencies. Um, but about a year ago, I, I really started, uh, started reading about like why one should be frugal and learned like, Oh, there's, there's a whole community here. Like well, you could, you could read about it and read about why you're doing this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's one of the things I'm talking about. Do you regret not having a smartphone more than a year prior to uh no i don't regret that. okay do, do you have an example of something where you should have spent the money and you didn't mm, nothing leaps out at me right now no. uh, it sounds like you're on it sounds like you're in the right echo chamber then <laughs> i mean if there's no if there's no obvious downside to it I uh, I try to do that. I'm I'm pretty good at having buyer's remorse for virtually everything I purchase. So, it. Uh, <laughs> but that's uh, no unless it's related to production of some kind. It's yeah, one of the easiest ways to combat this if you need these strategies. Although we are we are necessarily talking in an echo, an echo chamber here because you either you're either the kind of person who saves money or you're not. It seems like, but the um. It's very hard to swap from one to the other unless you have a crisis of some kind. But mm -hmm. I, it is really hard for me to buy something without trying to think at least two orders down why I need this thing. Mm -hmm. That stops a lot of impulse purchases. Yeah, yeah just asking yourself why. So, so could you go through your process when, when you're buying a thing? Um, let's um, see. Like, could... could could you think of one of the one of the things you bought recently? Yeah, let me think about it for half a second. I'll just throw in yeah. some dead air here real quick. Um, Alright, so longtime listeners may have noticed that the sound quality, even if it didn't necessarily improve, it changed about a month ago because I bought not only a bunch of new microphones, but I also bought a new mic preamp for this whole setup. And what I'm about to talk about is not going to sound frugal because it's it's not going to sound frugal in the more traditional form of the word because it was not cheap. 
Um, the box that I'm recording this into is a Scarlet 18i8, which is about a $250 mixer. And it's not even actually a mixer. It doesn't have any mixing capabilities whatsoever. It's just a clean way to get sound out of a microphone. Um, and I already had a mixer, so why would I buy something like that? Well, <laughs> for one, it was red, and aesthetics always have to come into play here. And I say that sort of—I say of that sort of as a joke, but it's actually important to write things like that down when you're buying stuff because if you don't, if you do not take into account what you aesthetically appreciate, what you're buying, you will be dishonest and dramatically overvalue the practical applications of it. I think it's extremely important to recognize what is drawing your eye to things so that you don't so uh. that you don't accidentally try to overestimate the other faculties of what it may have. I don't have to fantasize about this thing's capabilities as much because I already like the way it looks. It's a nice elegant box. So right. I've got that in play, but that's that's not enough as as one would hope. That's not quite enough to get me to pull the trigger on something like that. But what, is it, what sure. does it have going for it? So I have an Excel, I have an Excel spreadsheet, which I could maybe make the... I'll think about making it the, uh, the thumbnail for this. But I basically... I put the mixer that I currently <laughs> have and that thing next to each other in an Excel spreadsheet. I just listed all of the faculties about the mixer, good or bad, that I currently have. And then in the next column, I don't put the other features. Because if you just put the features, that doesn't do you any good. What you have to do is just say that by, re by adding this to my life, what changes? And I just have a bullet list point. I won't go and find that because I'm not entirely sure where that sheet is located. My Excel spreadsheets have gotten <laughs> tossed to the wind recently because my office subscription has been uh, a nightmare. But basically, it's, it's, oh, it's no. stuff like, you know, this is slightly more portable. The sound is cleaner. It has digital outs, which was a massive bonus. Um, it's, it doesn't have quite as many mic ports, but it's also a more focused, dedicated machine. It has better customer support, etc., etc. And you make this whole list, and then you go back, and you you come up with something that you bought recently that you don't regret purchasing. Um, in my case, I think I probably used a video game. That's usually what I use for this. So let's say, okay, I spent this. This is anachronistic because I bought off Overwatch later, but Overwatch I bought for forty bucks. So I put okay. Overwatch at the top. So now I have an anchor for how much money something is worth to me. And then I go through every bullet point and I go, what is this feature worth to me? And if they add up to 250 bucks, I'll buy it. So you go each feature, you're, you have like a, you assign a dollar value? I break down as mathematically as possible. And mind you, I don't do this for everything. I don't do this for toothpaste. I do this for stuff that costs more than about sure, two. Sure. I do this for purchases generally over $100. Okay. Um, but you can, you can fully itemize the way that something will impact your life. And it's very useful to do so for a couple of reasons. One, you get, you get a nice, tidy, mathematical it's either above or not above your – it's basically your alpha value for purchasing a device. But um, it also it, – it lets you notice things that it may give you or subtract from you that uh, you didn't even realize when you got it. And it also 
it plays into the nice little buyer's anticipation where you um, – a lot of what makes things worth buying is anticipating having them and nothing oh, works sure. – for that warm, fuzzy feeling, like systematically writing all those things down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, this and then perhaps, perhaps later confirming, confirming what you thought. Like, oh man, I was exactly right. That feature, that was definitely oh, worth $27. Oh no, that's rad. In a really dorky <laughs> way, that's, that's a super rad thing to confirm to yourself. Or not confirm to yourself. I mean, it's, this, this is still based on a value judgment prediction. Um, that is uh, right, right. hard to square sometimes, but um, it's worked. Right, okay and also, you don't you don't know what what features might be important like two years down the road. For example, may, maybe right now you need like four inputs, but two years down the road you decide, oh well, I mean, I should have gotten the eight inputs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, ex exactly. But that's all. And but that I mean that maybe makes it number three is <clears throat> it's part of the second order understanding of why you're buying the thing. It makes you, it makes you actually ask the question what you need it for in the first place, because you can't assign those dollar values without really understanding what you want. This is a massive pain in the ass, and I don't recommend people do this for everything. This is me, <laughs> but it's worked well, pretty. Good there's got to be some kind of, there's got to be some kind of threshold beyond which, like threshold price, yeah, or maybe. Well, you could consider also like what what's the resale value going to be? So. So, oh yeah, no, that all that. gets factored in. I mean, if I can yeah, sell the yeah. old mixer, I factor what I assume I can get for the mixer into that price. Right, or or maybe maybe this is some durable good that tends to hold its resale value well, and it's well known that a particular manufacturer or type of good is going to hold its resale value well. So so maybe what I said a moment ago about a price threshold is not correct. Like. Like for instance, some people some people would argue like, well, you don't need to do this kind of analysis for a fifteen hundred dollar Rolex because it is well known that, that such a watch can hold its value so that your your holding cost is near zero. Sure, but you uh, also so, you also still would want to do those calculations to make sure that's actually the case, <laughs> and mm, sure. And if nothing else, it can make you wonder how much that fifteen hundred dollars is worth to you right now. Yeah, it's a good yeah. exercise so like, to pull uh, out on the spreadsheet. Would be like some kind of opportunity cost thing too. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Opportunity cost yeah. and um, buyer's remorse gets factored in there. Oh, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> what? What about this? So, so I haven't, I have not had an internet connection at my place for the last couple for the last couple weeks. And actually, one of the benefits, uh, so one one of the unknowns there was. Um, Man, it's actually kind of nice not having instant access to the internet because I don't have a data plan on my cell phone either. So whatever internet access I have has to right right now has to be um, sort of intentional. That's clean and, living right there. Right, right. So so now, whereas whereas a couple of weeks ago I might have just like browsed over to Reddit and taken like a low quality consumption break from like important stuff that I had had to do. Um, but now I don't have that luxury, so instead I'll pick up a book, and that's that's much better. So as it turns out, like I, I, I guess I was a little bit off there in my in my assessment of the value of having access to the internet all the time. I was like, oh yeah, being able to go like do some mindless Reddit surfing is going to be valuable. 
<laughs> but it turns out, no, that's, well, I, I'm contradicting myself. I, I'm saying like, part, part of the assessment of value of the internet wasn't Reddit. But then once I get the internet, I just kind of lazily go over to Reddit. Yeah. And that has a negative value to me. That's what I'm saying. And that negative value is not something that I would have built into that spreadsheet. So it's it's about like flawed assumptions too. Be careful. Yeah. No, and it's it's just something you have to that that's part of just being realistic about what you're going to do with it. And that's that's again, that's part of why you make a concession to the fact that I like the color, I like the cherry red that this preamp is. Because if I don't if I don't incorporate that, I'll start becoming too platonic in my thinking about it, and I'll be too aspirational, and I'll think of all the amazing things that I am almost certainly not actually going to do with it. That it's not actually going to enable me to do. Um, it's important to remember that you're a person, that you're human. Valuable. Yeah. I uh, so I think I'm going to use your method on the next purchase that I'm considering. I'm thinking about getting a, uh, a keyboard, like a computer keyboard, um, but I haven't pulled the trigger because I haven't taken the time to really thoroughly do this kind of analysis and read enough uh, opinions about this kind of thing, do enough research. Do you have any idea of what kind of keyboard you're looking at? I'm considering a, a happy hacking keyboard. Not familiar. Um, it's it's this like minimalist design keyboard. It's got some nice uh, tactile feedback, some nice switches. It is um, a mechanical keyboard. Yeah, it's it's a mechanical keyboard. It's got I don't know how to pronounce the name. It's got these special switches, like these torp switches or something like that. People like it a lot. People like the feedback and like the low profile and things like this. But. Um, yeah, I, I don't know yet. Keyboards, I, yet. I mean, I wouldn't want to, I would want you to explore this for yourself, but it's a, uh, mechanical keyboards tend to be a, uh, they tend to be an easy purchase for a long-term investment, most, partly because they, they don't break as long as you don't eat over your keyboard, they will stay around forever. <laughs> but it's, it's like yeah. I bought a, um, in, in another example of what doesn't pass the standard test of being frugal. Uh, because people associate it with being cheap. I bought an all-clad frying pan, a 12-inch mm -hmm. frying pan that went on sale. It was on sale for $90, which is okay. a lot of money for a frying pan. Sure. But here's the logic. It is a it is a fully 1810 stainless steel pan that will never break, that I will use once a day for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, I, I <laughs> my definition of frugality um, allows for really expensive purchases like that. It's about the it's supposed cost, to, and it's also it's also about the return on investment for the thing. So you're talking you're talking about something that is going to be used by you for a long time. It's very durable. It's going to stick around for a while, and it's going to save you money on like, well, you're not going to go out to eat as much because of it. Yeah. And it's, you're going to enjoy cooking a little bit more because of it as well. No, but that's that's always the one – that's one of the top lessons that every – I mean, I, I have perused my my share of personal finance sites as well. And I go on Lifehacker and they – once every – Lifehacker may be going bankrupt though. So maybe they're not the ones worth following. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, um, 
it's Hulk Hogan's fault. No, the um, no one of one of the lessons <laughs> that you learn first, and you have to just constantly learn over and over and over and over again, is that the pr- something's price is not indicative of its value. Oh right! It's just Definitely. yeah. It's inc- it's a hard lesson you have to constantly learn. It it keeps you it shy. It makes you shy away from buying things that seem expensive for what they are, but as long as you take care of them, are almost always worth having. It's yeah, and that's that's a perfect example of it. Another one is I mean I I got a lot of weird askance looks when I when I bought my MacBook, but I mean I. I'll take or leave OS 10. I think most of what Mac's got going for it is totally fine. I've had it freeze a couple times. It's not quite as perfect as one white might have assumed from the outside. Um, but nothing holds resale value like a MacBook. It, when I need to get when I need to offload this thing, I will be able to sell it for four times what I'd be able to sell any comparable laptop that doesn't have Apple's logo on it. Sure. And. On that virtue alone, I it's I was able to justify the purchase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to spend too much time evaluating purchases. I mean, you've got other things to do, so so you've got to look when when considering a purchase, you've got to look for that low hanging fruit. And oh, but it's so much fun! Of- <laughs> it's so much fun. See, I like spreadsheets enough that that's it doesn't bug me. I will do this recreationally, so. Sure. That's a weird spot to be in too, but, uh, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> <sighs> Anything else on confirmation bias, which we haven't talked about for 10 minutes, but, <laughs> um, no, no, I, I think we, I think we can check that one off the list there. Cool. The last one you have on here is complaining. <laughs> I've got complainers that work next to me at work. Uh, Sounds wonderful. Hey guys, if you're listening to this, how's it going? <laughs> uh, maybe they're the couple new subscribers we've got. I don't know. I doubt that probably. pretty strongly. Pro- probably not. Yeah. yeah, it's nearly a zero chance. Like with with many zeros after the decimal place there. Yeah. What are they complaining about? Um. This one guy complains about how another person in the office doesn't close her office door when she gets on the phone. So he'll just like, he'll mumble to himself, um, sort of making fun of or just imitating this person. And he's just sort of, the way I see it is that he's reinforcing to himself that he's annoyed by this. So... What is he doing? He's complaining about the situation instead of instead of doing something about it. So his, his options are the following. He can complain to himself about the situation that's unfavorable. He can hear this person talking on her phone with her office door open. Another option is he could ask her to close the door when she talks on the phone and explain how you know, this this affects him and it wouldn't wouldn't it be quite easy for you to close the door um, that's another option or a third option is perhaps to put headphones on if it bothers him so much but the option that he takes is to complain to himself and solve nothing you don't think he's gathering some degree of office dilbert style camaraderie from uh, complaining about it 
I don't think so in the sense that he just complains to himself. <laughs> so he's just like mumbling under his breath and he's he's like um, making fun of her to himself, um, imitating her and just, I feel like reinforcing his own misery. Do, do you think over this. do you think he's engaging in fantasies of revenge on the heels of this complaining? I'm trying to give him another out for how this ends up totally I, swinging in his direction. I don't know what his rationalization is for this kind of behavior, if there is any kind of ras- rationalization. I don't think he's thinking about it. Um, well, I think he's just kind of doing it to maybe to blow off some steam. Wait, so maybe there's the benefit. He's he's blowing off some steam. He's getting pissed off, or or is he just uh, is it like a a feedback loop thing? Like when he complains about it, he reinforces to himself that he's agitated by this behavior someone else is engaging in. Yeah, that was kind of what I was getting at. Is that it? Uh, it lets him engage in some degree of non-office. Actually, I guess it is office appropriate, office fitting forms of rage, yeah. but. Uh, but no. So what did you want to uh, bring this person on the podcast and tell him about his situation? What would you, <laughs> you have five minutes to sit him down. What are you going to tell him? Put on some headphones and just take yourself out of the situation. If it bothers you so much, do something about it. Make a change. Don't just, don't just sit there and complain about it. Make a change. Take one of those other two options. Put the headphones in or talk to her about it. And yet, talking to her about it might be uncomfortable at first, but you break through that discomfort and you get, you get yourself a more favorable situation in the end. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't necessarily go that way. Maybe, maybe it would backfire and create a more hostile relationship between the two of them. But is it, is it really worth like not taking that risk? Um, and just like sitting there and being miserable about it. So if you don't want to be miserable about it, or, okay, back up a little bit, erase that and say, if you don't want to have that conversation with her, and you don't want to be miserable, then just put some headphones in and stop focusing on the problem. Matt, are you ready for the tables to be turned? Turn the tables. Matt, why are you complaining about this guy complaining about this? I was going to bring that up. All right. Actually. Well, you beat me. There. <laughs> you beat me there. Um, so, so the reason that I'm complaining right now, and I know it's kind of ironic. Um, the reason I'm complaining about it right now is I, I'm affected at work by this guy's complaining. So he sits in the cube right next to me and I have to listen to this guy talking about this problem. I don't do anything about it at work. In fact, that's that's when I put my own headphones on. Like I proactively take a step to to remedy the problem. I mean, right now I'm just talking about it so I can like kind of put myself in his shoes. Sure. And I guess I guess I could be construed as complaining about it right now, like just by talking about it and just by like thinking to bring it up on the podcast like like we are right now. Um but I don't know. I like to think of myself as above that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I suppose that I'm trying to put myself in his shoes and just like think about complaining. Like what is it? What is it getting him? And more generally, what does it get us? What does it get people? What kind of benefit does it confer upon us? Not much. Doesn't seem like. 
Um, I, I feel like complaining is really only useful if you're like, if you're getting toward a solution by doing so. But, but I guess then it's no longer by definition complaining and instead it becomes discussing. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you slice it. But no, you have to you have yeah. to lodge the complaint at some level before you can address it. So sure, but it doesn't sure. sound let, like let he's me get my dictionary. Yeah, yeah he doesn't uh, sound like he's doing that. So sounds like he's doing a lot of money. But yeah, but I'm, I I guess I guess I could be it could be argued that I'm. Complaining I don't think about you're complaining now, about so. it, Matt. I th I think this dissection is valuable in an office environment, and that you should. Buy that guy some earplugs. <laughs> that would be pretty passive aggressive of me. Like I could, I could put some earplugs or some earphones on his desk with a sticky note one day, yep. and be like, "Shut up!" Signed, anonymous. Yeah. Or you could make it fully aggressive, and while he's working, you could tap on his <laughs> shoulder and hand him a pair of headphones and say, "Stop complaining about things," and then walk away. <laughs> yeah, I could. That way, you'd be direct and won't. charitable. Direct and charitable. This is the kind of thing that could probably only happen during my last week in that office. <laughs> we'll make it a good week then. <laughs> make somebody's life uh, better on the way out the door. You got anything else you want to cover? That's what, that's what I do. That's what I do. I just make people's lives better. That's the only thing I do. I never, I never affect people's lives any other way. I'm basically a hero. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's why, that's why we're talking right here. This is why these are pro tips for pro people we got going on here. Clearly. Uh, you've got, you've got some very, you've got some very enlightened listeners listening through all the way to the, uh, to the sound of my voice, my enlightenment here. Oh God, please delete this. It's part. all about spreadsheets, man. It's all about the spreadsheets. <laughs> Matt, you got anything else you want to cover? Uh, no, that, that exactly wraps up everything I wanted to talk Fantastic. about. We hit, we hit every, we hit with 100% accuracy, every part. Maybe with 200% accuracy in some spots. Pro probably 200%. That's a number I can, <laughs> that's a number I can feel comfortable with. Matt, as always, yeah. pleasure checking in with you. Thanks a lot for having me, David. It'll be another six weeks probably before we can figure out your, although maybe, are you going to have more internet? Because if you have more web available, then we may be able to get that to happen sooner. I, I am planning on getting my internet back within the next few weeks. Here, it's been a nice, it's been a nice escape from it, um, and a nice, a nice opportunity to step back and think about what I want to do on my computer at home. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to get the internet back. Back in the trenches. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, Matt, thanks for being on the Machination Log. Thanks, David. Good morning, everybody. That was fun, man. Um, compl complaining about complaining, and then someone's going to complain about this podcast. Like, oh, man, it's really low quality. Like, I don't know why you keep having this fucking guy on. <laughs> it's like two, two times is already one too many. Probably two too many.